Welcome to the Source of Success Show, a platform where we engage in conversations with everyday individuals who have transcended the ordinary to become truly extraordinary. Their stories serve as a powerful inspiration, encouraging all of us to tap into our own extraordinary potential and embarking on a journey towards success and living our best lives. I'm your host, Lannan Shredden. And in today's episode, we delve into the crucial topic of cybersecurity and the essential measures to ensure our online safety, particularly in light of the rapid advancement of AI and the widespread of accessibility of the internet. Our guest, Christine Eckford, is an exceptional source of knowledge and wisdom on this subject, making her the perfect person to shed light on the matter. We are thrilled to welcome Christine as our guest, who is the CEO of Citizen Cyber, charity and also works as a computing lecturer. With over a decade of experience in the digital and IT industry, Christine has had various significant roles. Her remarkable personality has been an inspiration to me since the moment we've met. And it's an absolute honor to have her on the show. During our conversation, Christine will share her personal journey and expertise in cybersecurity, providing valuable advice on how to ensure the online safety of our loved ones. Also, she will enlighten us about the incredible work she is undertaking through the Citizen of Cyber charity. Most importantly, we will discover the secrets to her multifaceted success and how she leads an extraordinary life. This episode is filled with profound knowledge and wisdom that you don't want to miss, so keep on listening. Hi, Christine, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming, indeed, and it's good to have you on the show. Um, so I'm really interested to get to know you and would like to get a bit more into your background and how you are and tell me a bit more about yourself. Um, so let me know, who are you and what mission are you on? Uh, okay, so my name is Christine Eckford. Um, I am a computing lecturer whose background is in cybersecurity and digital forensics. And I'm also the co-founder and CEO for a charity called Citizens of Cyber. Um, my mission is to ensure that I'm educating the next um, generation of cybersecurity specialists, as well as ensuring that all people that are on the, online are safe and have the right tools available to them to know how to navigate the digital landscape. That's fantastic. Um, tell us a little bit about your like earlier years and how you grew up. Um, I grew up in kind of stereotypical family, basically. I have a big sister um, who still terrorises me to this day. We get along very well, and I've got my mum and dad. Um, we started off basically just in working class. We started off in our council houses. We moved up, um, and my mum and dad both work. My dad is a bus driver, and my mum currently works at Lloyd's as an auditor. Previously, she used to work in um, Virgin, but back when she was working there, she started off as Telewest, mm-hmm. um, a United Artist. That'll tell some people how old I am, that I remember going into United Artists when I was little. We, um, yeah, we had stereotypical upbringing. We did our holidays. We went to school. They always invested their time in us and making sure that we were getting educated properly. Um, and it, it was a really happy childhood. That's really nice. Nice indeed. And in terms of your education, um, what was school like at the time you were in school and then how you ended up like going to university and what was the sort of steps and approach you took? Oh, uh, school for me was a bit of a strange one. Um, I'm autistic and I didn't find out until my later years, um, <laughs> late 20s, that I found I had autism. So it was quite difficult for me navigating kind of the social landscape as such. 
I really enjoyed certain subjects, but I also found maybe possibly taking and retaining information or taking information in from certain teachers quite difficult. Um, and I like to ask lots of questions. <laughs> so I didn't really excel in school the way I possibly should at that time. Um, and I didn't actually come back and do school until it was a lot later. So I managed to stay on until fourth year and then decided school wasn't for me, went out and started to work. I did take up a college course, at, I think it was Stevenson's College at the time, mm -hmm. in computing. I think I managed about three months and vanished from it because it just wasn't for me. And then I actually came back to education when I was about 27. Mm -hmm. um, and decided to go back into college after I'd got a lot of work experience, which then led on to university and I successfully got my digital forensics and cybersecurity bachelor's um, at Napier University studying mm -hmm. um, underneath Bill Buchanan, who is actually our patron for Citizens to Cyber. So it's, it's massively turned around, but I definitely wasn't ready for college or university when I was younger, so I'm happy I waited till I was older and a mature student. That's fantastic. And what sort of led you to go down this career path? Was this like always the thing you wanted to do and to be like in technology? I loved computers. I loved algorithms. I loved processes and procedures. Um, I don't know how I didn't know I was autistic when I was younger, but I loved the process and the procedure. Um, I was really lucky that I managed to do my work experience um, at my mum's work when it was Virgin at the time mm -hmm. within the IT department. And I always still remember that one week where I just thought, oh, this is this is this is what I want to do. But back when I was in school there, you got administration. That was the only computing classes you got. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it was so frustrating. And the administration back then was, can you open up a Word document and can you change this from capital letters to smaller? What's your typing speed? So we didn't really get the we didn't get the opportunities that children get now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's something that I, I can't wait to see what this generation actually unfolds and what they bring, because even the quality students that are coming up to Westlothian College are they're absolutely fantastic. It's because they're getting so many opportunities we didn't get when I was younger. Yeah. So um, I naturally fell into it. I was, when I left in fourth year, I went off um, and did a couple of jobs and I managed to get very lucky within my career where I started in project management for digital projects at one mm -hmm. of the largest um, charities in Scotland. And I had the, the luxury of working with the IT department and the digital team, which then got me back into computing. So I, I kind of went away from it for a long time and then I came back to it. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when I decided to take the voluntary redundancy and I went back into education. That's really good. Um, yeah, I do agree with you. Even when I was in school, like in like mid 2000, like in that time, it wasn't even that much computing class. It was literally the ones I got was essentially admin, as you said, like how to use Microsoft package. I was like, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, I already know how to do that. I've been doing it for the other classes. It, it's extremely frustrating. The stuff that they've got going on just now, but there's still a yeah. massive gap within um, STEM and when computer science. But yeah. there's some fantastic people out there right now at the moment, like Tony Scullion. Um, Education Scotland's got some absolutely fantastic initiatives going on just now. We've been working with a gent called Scott Hunter recently. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't wait to see where that landscape goes for the grassroots of primary schools and high schools and seeing what we can do about inspiring the next generation. Yeah, definitely. And what was your um, sort of at your time when you were in like school or like working in terms of technology? Was there a lot of female um, in that area? No. Um, when I started working within IT, um, I was really lucky. I came under a gent called Colin Mahaffey, um, who was a digital lead um, at a charity called National Trust for Scotland. Um, and I worked with him. And all, all our suppliers were uh, men as well. 
I found a couple of really strong women, but they were always in the project lead roles. Mm -hmm. um, they knew the tech and they'd done it, but they were in the project lead roles. So that's kind of where I found myself naturally fitting in within that within that time of my life as well. Was right, I'm going to go for that managerial roles for it. And then what had happened was I was fed up of sitting in so many tech meetings, not having a clue what anyone's talking about. I was extremely young as well when I was a project manager. I'd been given a massive opportunity quite a young age. And then that's what pushed me back into going into college and university was so that I could actually sit in the tech meetings and know what everyone was talking about. When I went into college, there was one other female in my HNC. Mm -hmm. And when I was in my HND, I was the only female in my class. Yep. And when I went up to my degree, there was a, probably a handful of females even in with the degree as well and we were all quite separate as well we'd all came up within, within our college remits or we'd already been in university from year one so we, we're quite separated so I found it quite difficult now that I'm actually in the industry and now working as a CEO and working as a lecturer I'm seeing a lot more females in the industry if I'm looking at the Wesleyan College for instance we out, we outnumber the men now for the, um, for the female lectures which is great to see um, but even going out to the industry now and going off to networking events, there's so many more speakers out there and there's such a such a loud voice um, getting spoken, which is really inspiring to see. And I'm hoping that all their high school students and primary school students see that there's opportunities there for them that wasn't really there for. We've, people have had to fight so that we can make that pathway. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that um, like guys have more opportunity to go into that or like maybe women need a bit more guidance? I think it's a stereotype thing. I think even now, even as we're getting the remits of coming in, who's coming in for HNCs and NQs and MPAs at the moment, even at the college, um, whenever we we do any of the um, the careers days or we speak to any of the students, the Wesleyan College has got a fantastic initiative going on just, just at the moment, which I'm really lucky to be a part of. It's the cyber van. So they're going out to all the high schools and primary schools in West Lothian and they're just basically inspiring the kids. They are showing them how to play with micro bits. They are mm -hmm. showing them ethical hacking. We're taking virtual reality out to them, the, the oculuses and things. And we can see some of the girls are now sitting there. The females are sitting there and going, oh, wait, this actually is quite fun. We're not just going to be sitting there behind a computer coding all day. So I think it's changing that stigma and the stereotype of it and making it a little bit more attractive. We need to package it differently. Yeah. Um, and we need more more pop up initiatives to actually get to these um, to these females earlier on so that they can actually see it as an opportunity for them. Because I remember when I was at school, it was, oh, are you going to be a beautician or are you going to go into childcare? Yeah, it was just, it was what it was. And those two things, they did not um, they did not enthuse me at all. Um, so I was, I was extremely lucky falling into where I went to. Um, it was hard work, too. But I, th I think it's about going in and actually showing the opportunities to people younger. Um, and even when they do leave and they go back into the job centre when they're older, I think it's saying to them that you're never too, you're never too old to upskill and have a new career and actually showing them that it's not the most difficult thing in the world to do. It's just taking that first step and signing up to it. Yeah, definitely. When I was in school as well, and during fourth year, they would do like a one week work experience. And then yeah. there was like a list of places I can go to and most of those like beautician salons and like a nursery and I didn't oh, want to go to any of them and I didn't <laughs> want any of them I was like I'm not going to do it but then last minute I was like you know what the opportunity is there I might as well just do it so I did the nursery near our school That's for nice. like a week yeah and I was like I actually took something from it because it was like I could see like some of the like the kids their parents like leaving them for like a whole day Especially yeah. like toddlers, I was like, oh my god, I feel really bad. 
I don't want to be yeah. in that state. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had the luxury of having to do that. I, I call it a luxury. It wasn't. It was the crying eyes out of mum, you're leaving me um, as you're trying to go out and, and earn some money to make sure the house is paid for as such. Um, my, lots of my friends work within even the caring industry, um, mm -hmm. nursing, children, er, early years and things, and my hat goes off to them. I off, obviously always tip my hat to them because I do not have the patience, mentality or skill set um, at all to do that job. Um, yeah, definitely. They're absolutely fantastic at what they do. Um, it, just, it just was it was never going to be my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, good stuff. Um, so in terms of like, um, in terms of like career wise, if someone like, for example, your younger self, if you were to advise her um, to take similar paths, what would be the advice to give her? And like, how best would you do it this time around if you were to do it? Be more confident. Mm. Um, understand that having a voice is absolutely fine. It's how you actually put put your thought and opinion across. Um, business is separate than anything else. And I think going out there and having that voice and being able to say you're uncomfortable with something or questioning something. Mm. I I'll always remember in my HNC class, I was one of the oldest people in my HNC class. Um, I hadn't been in education. I'm not even going to say for how long, but for a very long time. And I remember a question came up and all the children, the, all the children, all the teenagers that had been in school knew the answer. And the, the lecturer, who's actually the other co-founder for the charity, Ross, um, turned around and went, right, does everybody know this? And I just remember putting my hand up and going, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And he went, right, that's fine. He taught everyone and then he took the time out to sit with me and explain it to me in a different way and I understood it. But as soon as he left, about three other students came up to me and went, can you tell me what he just told you? And it just had that thing of just because you're the only one that's got the voice to say, I don't understand what it is. It's actually it's a superpower at the end of the day, because you'll then understand it. Know you can make mistakes. Yeah. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, learn from them and move on from them. And um, that's another one that I wish. And whatever jobs you go into or wherever you surround yourself with, make sure they are supportive and they push you up and they make you the best person that you can be. You'll only get anywhere in this industry if you've got a really good support unit within work and out of work, whether that's friendships or relationships as such. So just make sure you've got a really good, strong unit around you as well, just to support you because times will get difficult. Life gets in the way, business gets in the way. Um, but just making sure you've got that security net to pick you up and dust yourself off and then try again. Yeah, definitely. Nice advice. Thank you for that. Um, and in terms of like, um, the benefits that you've gained from this um, career path, what would you say it is? Meeting some fantastic people. Um, yeah, it, it just going out and meeting so many people and seeing how many different jobs there are. I always thought IT, you were going to get stuck in one business organisation, you're stuck in the IT department, you're either going to be the, the, the cyber security or you're going to be IT or you're going to be management. Um, but there's hundreds and hundreds of different jobs out there. Um, and you can jump about. I love the fact that you've got to constantly upskill. You can't just go into university and that's you completely done with cybersecurity or IT in general for anything. Yeah. We've got to continue networking. We've got to continue looking at all the courses that are available and upskilling. And I think it's brilliant because it means that your your brain is always switched on. Um, the more people you speak to, the more opportunities open as well. So I always say to everyone, hit every conference you possibly can. We had our students um, recently for working in cyber and we got some fantastic speakers in to, to talk to them. 
So what we did was we we cancelled one of the classes and we sent them up to Napier University for the day, um, for the big data conference. And their only job for that day was to go off and get as many selfies they could and as many business cards as they could, and they'd come back in and tell us all about the organisations they got. Um, two of them's um, been writing out application forms um, since then. A lot of other ones have been going off and actually seeing that there's other jobs available. They're all on LinkedIn right now. So it's just it's just it's making a difference in other people's lives as well when it comes to students. Um, yeah. I love that. I love seeing them and I love seeing that turnaround that they've got as well, that they come into college and they don't know very much. And then actually seeing them in an in industry and really kicking butt in industry that's absolutely fantastic to see because they come back into the college and they start speaking to all the other students about it. And from the charity perspective, changing lives. Um, hearing some really harrowing stories from children, from vulnerable adults, from parents, um, but actually knowing that you might have changed one life and you might have changed it like had such a massive impact on that person and that person can make a humongous impact on the world going forward but you might have helped them along a, a wee step in their journey to help them to get along to that that end goal that they've got yeah definitely and the, the work you do with the charity is like fantastic like i'm just like amazed by it thank you um, no thank you and and you know, I got the opportunity to work for you, and it's really, you know, I felt the difference that I was making, even though I was not seeing it directly. The, I will say the volunteers are all still missing you, and um, they're oh, having a on the podcast. There was a big, can you make sure we all say hello to Lara for me? Um, <laughs> thank and, you. Yeah, you. You definitely left a massively positive impression, and yeah, we want you back. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I will look into coming back soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. And in terms of like uh, the challenges that you faced in your career, like throughout your education, like career and to get into technology, what would you say the challenges were? Um, mine's with the digital boom. Um, a being autistic, B being a female, and C the digital boom. When I was younger, we had MSN and we had Bebo, um, <laughs> MySpace. Um, and then since then, there's just a massive technology boost, a massive social media boost. Software's massively changed, coding's changed. Um, for for me, it was a large, large learning curve, um, and that would that would be one of my challenges. My other one is always going to be my autism. It's a superpower because I just get on with it and I don't realise something's happened. But it can always also be a massive hindrance at times as well, um, and. Being a, I would have said being a female at the start, when I first started a decade ago, before that, I would have said a female. I don't see it being a challenge for me now, mm -hmm. um, which I absolutely love because that means that everyone before me, all their hard work's paid off and they've actually made, a, they've paved the way for us going forward. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see that the shift going on in the future with stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that would be that would be basically the, the, the boom in technology um, and the understanding, the complex understanding that needs to be known now um, in order to actually deliver materials, whether it's within college um, or it's within um, citizens of cyber as well when we're doing our training. They're completely different aspects that we need to we need to know um, and absolutely adore the fact that the college has got a fantastic set of lecturers um, and management staff as well as the charity the volunteers are so knowledgeable and so dedicated so I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have a great support unit around on both of them 
That's great. Um, if, say, for example, someone also was in the same situation as you and like is autistic, um, how did you cope with it and like what advice would you give to that person? Keep challenging yourself and there's so <laughs> many of us out there. Um, <laughs> there's so many of us out there. Um, yeah, it's just challenging yourself. I think it's the same thing we always say because I, I, I take a lot of neurodiverse class at the colleges. I've actually got a neurodiverse class starting um, next term, which I cannot wait um, for. So it, it's great to see that. But I used to think it was my hindrance and now I realise mm -hmm. it's my superpower because I can go into a massive room and speak to lots of people um, and fl flutter around just, just chatting away quite well. And then I see some, one of some of my friends that they would describe themselves as neurotypical. Um, who are like oh I, I can't say hi to that person I'm not comfortable with that so I would just say keep challenging yourself figure out what what irks you about yourself what you want to change about yourself make little subtle changes don't don't change who you are for anything um, it'll work out if we look at half the industry as well everyone's I always think everyone's got a little bit of neurodiversity in them in some way shape or form so yeah. don't hide it just go out and be you because it will get you it will get you somewhere and just enjoy 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 being autistic i love how my brain works i love my processes and procedures um i love when i start piecing things together um I, I, when i was younger i would have wanted to change it now that i'm older and i've got my good support unit around me i wouldn't change it for the world i use it to your advantage yeah definitely i could sort of relate but not in like in terms of like being autistic i'm not autistic but like in terms of learning english when i came here like a bit late um so i started secondary school here and it was a bit tricky until i got my english right and then tried to figure out what to do you know going to university yeah. and all of that was really hard but like you just have to go through it like you just take it one day at a time. I, I couldn't even learn a second language. My brain does not work like that. I've tried, I've tried so I, my hat goes off to you. Um, Thank there's you. No way, there's no <laughs> way I could learn a second language. My brain does just not work like it. Uh, my daughter's trying to learn French at the moment um, with her granny, which is hilarious because they're sitting there doing their Duolingo. Um, and she comes off with a couple other kind of little tidbits. So she's got a really good, um, really good brain for languages. So I'm trying, I'm trying to push that with her. But I've realised I am not the right person to be teaching her that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really good if she like starts learning multi -language languages because you know it does impact your perspective as well and your character. Yeah. It builds you up differently. No, definitely. My hat goes off to the fact that you've a, a learned another language and b have studied in the second language um, I can thank barely you. study in my own language and uh, my first language so yes hats off to you <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> um so I guess let's take a different approach and I know like cyber security is a big topic in, in itself but if you were to sum up a few advice um what would you give in terms of cyber security to keep yourself safe um the things that you should be careful of um don't trust anything online um is something that i have learned um with it go off and take any courses you can find um there are so many organizations not just citizens to cyber that go out there and they do lots of training courses we do things like our parents nights and our children's days and stuff like that um learn that it's not rocket science basic basic high cyber hygiene is actually quite easy to do 
um, but go off and read about it. So st stuff like making sure you're changing your passwords, making sure you have got a three word, a three different words within your password, but you've got numeric, uppercase, lowercase. Don't use the same password for everything. Make sure you minimise all your accounts. So if you have so many apps sitting down on your phone, delete the, the accounts that you don't use. Don't purchase anything online um, unless you know what source it's coming from. And make sure you go through a reputable vendor like PayPal as such, so that you can actually go and get that that money back if something does go wrong. Any links that you're not sure of? I had a brilliant one last week on Facebook. Apparently, my daughter had lost her phone, and I was meant to send this message back um, to this new number. My daughter's nine years old. There's absolutely no way that happened. So it happens to everybody, and it doesn't matter how great somebody is in cybersecurity. It's not a case of um, if I'll be hacked, it's when every organisation, no matter how great you are, we all need to be um, careful on stuff. If you get emails coming through and you're not sure what it's sending you to, close the email down, go online, Google it, access the actual account from, from Google. Don't just sit there and click a link in an email. Make sure you've got firewall and antivirus on there. Um, and I, have I been pawned is one of the best resources that I always get when I speak to anybody during training. Um, it's a brilliant resource there. You can go on and you can actually get yourself notified if you've been in a data breach at all. So the Facebook hack happened a couple of years ago. There's been so many different hacks since then. I'm not going to go into them because I'll get, I'll get sh shouted at from my team if I start going on about it. Um, but make sure that you know what data breaches you've been in. Change your passwords regularly. Don't use the same passwords on every account. Make sure they're complex. Don't write them down in a book. Um, ever write them down somewhere. Just make sure you've got them kind of memorized and make sure that your digital footprint is as small as possible. Less accounts. Your social media is locked down on private. Don't plaster pictures of your children all over, especially things like their first day at school, because you're actually then telling somebody exactly where you stay or what school your child goes to. So be aware of what you're posting and keep your digital footprint as minimum as possible. Um, and be cautious on any communication that comes in. Brilliant. I think that last bit's probably the bit that you're after. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, I know it's you know it's a whole topic. Um, it's a massive wormhole of cybersecurity in itself. Um, but it's really good to have these sort of um advices for like everyday. Like even for us, we're with we work in technology. Sometimes we might even get like attacked as well. So it's not like about how skilled you are. And in terms of Sorry, Sorry you all the all the money in the world and buy all the software packages in the world and implement them on your system, you're never going to be 100% safe. Um, so it's just a case of minimising your digital footprint as much as possible. Exactly, exactly. Um, and what's your um, sort of perspective and advice and now that, you know, there's a rapid growth in advancing like AI and how we should all like keep ourselves safe from that? Oh, um, AI is a massive debate that's going on at the moment. Um, we've, we're having the debate quite um, internally at the moment as well. We actually have our, our chairman, our board, one of our board members, actually going away to speak to some of the government bodies um, about artificial intelligence. And it's boom. We're also having that discussion in college at the moment because a lot of um, students are using artificial intelligence to um, assist them in writing papers. We say that the problem with it, AI is not necessarily the problem, it's the people that are using AI um, that is the problem and what they're using it for. 
we're seeing a massive increase in our fake news. Um, deep fakes are happening quite regularly at the moment. It's getting used within cyberbullying. People that have surface knowledge, they want information straight away. So they're not actually going off and learning the complex, understanding the right foundational knowledge for stuff. They're just looking for instant answers. And they're looking for instant answers. And it's just surface knowledge, which can be even more dangerous. There's also people that are using artificial intelligence and believing exactly what artificial intelligence says. Um, it can be incorrect. I went to a great talk with uh, Napier, um, with um, Basil and Bill Buchanan um, and Adrian Smales, I think it was in February, and Bill Buchanan used a great example of him using um, an AI website, we'll just say, to um, look for himself. It actually made um, Bill basically say that he'd assisted writing in papers that he hadn't written. He had made up new algorithms and cryptography things. He had done so many things within the field that he had never done before. So that was Bill looking at something and looking at himself and he knows what he's done. But when you have students or you have the generic public going off looking at artificial intelligence, they can be learning the wrong information without knowing. They're also taking shortcuts which can be extremely dangerous going forward. Um, it can make us all lazy. We know what it's like at the moment using Google. Yeah. Um, we, we expect to get the information super quickly, but it doesn't actually mean it's not teaching you the right, the right foundational knowledge going forward. So I personally am not a fan of AI at the moment. It's an infancy. I would like to see it um, develop a little bit more and be regulated and controlled in a certain way. And I'd like to see where it is going to go in the future. But um, I try my best to stay away from it as much as possible at the moment. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like AI itself and that you're also a lecturer, have you noticed that any of your students using that to do their assessments and their assignments? And how yes. does that impact your, your, from your perspective, how does that impact the grading as well? It doesn't impact my grading because my grading just, they will not get marked. Um, they will get done for plagiarism, mm -hmm. uh, which some students are aware of at the moment. Um, yeah, if you, it's the same thing as copying off one of your other colleagues. You don't do it. Um, you can use artificial intelligence if you're using it for research purposes, as long as you're referencing it at the moment. It can be a good tool for that. But what I'm looking for is I'm looking to see the journals and the papers that you've written, the uh, read, sorry, the uh, the books that you have read, I want to see more knowledge going into there rather than just going into artificial intelligence, typing in the question and waiting for it just to shoot an answer out at you and then copy and paste. So artificial intelligence within academia right now, it can be good for research purposes, but it is getting tracked as well. So if you think that you can write a paper or you can get AI to write your paper and upload it, um, it will get flagged as artificial intelligence at the moment and you will get in trouble for it because it will be classed as plagiarism. Said that to my students. Some people have tried to slip through that net. They've been caught on the net, and it's happening quite quite um, regularly over other colleges and universities at the moment. So, as we say, we're in infancy, so we're 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 just we're just getting to that at the moment and making sure the right frameworks in place for it. But they should know the do's and the don'ts, and it has been flagged up to them. So I'm hoping for the upcoming year. Um, we won't have those issues going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, <laughs> amazing. And so in terms of 
changing the dynamics again this time. Uh, I want to, obviously I know what the charity does and like the nature of it, but for our listeners, um, tell us a bit more about Citizen Cyber and what it is. Citizen Cyber's mission is to make the online space safe for everybody. We look after our vulnerable um, adults and young people. Um, we also look after their service providers, their carers, parents, guardians and family members as well. So we are all encompassing. We want to ensure that everyone is provided with a source of knowledge, base level knowledge, as well as the tools that they require to keep themselves safe online. And we're also looking to expand our network and pull in our professional networks out there as well to come in and assist with specific projects that we've got and think um, projects that we've got in the pipeline. So we're looking to go from grassroots, which is our primary schools, all the way up to our high schools and colleges and universities. And we're also looking to work with um, charities within Scotland at the moment in order to keep all their service users safe and also help out the service providers as well. Amazing. Um, and in terms of how it came about, what inspired the charity? Uh, myself and Ross Tunnicliffe. Ross Tunnicliffe was my lecturer actually at college. Um, and he taught me and then I went to, I went up to Napier University for year three, um, which is the bachelor's year, and um, I was looking for a dissertation piece. And um, we got talking about how how foundational knowledge isn't actually there or isn't available or us assuming people know the basic skills to keep themselves safe online. The amount of times I sat in the playground picking up my daughter and all the mums being like, oh, you're in cyber security. You do not get into cyber security without somebody asking, can you hack into their Facebook? It's always the way, can you hack into somebody's Facebook or social media? Um, it drives me bonkers. But what was happening, I was getting more is whenever I was speaking to the parents, the children were hearing what I did for a living as well. And sometimes when the parents were walking away, the kids would come up and say that they were having really negative interactions online. And they didn't want to speak to mum and dad about it. And they didn't know who to speak to. So myself and Ross were speaking to um, Jackie Galbraith, which is the principal at Wesleyan College, about an initiative about going out into the community. And um, that's where Citizen Cyber kind of spun off from there. So um, myself and Ross actually went out and started looking at the um, setting ourselves up as a scale. So we're now a charity and we've very slowly grown for the first year is trying to figure out who, who our target audience was, what services did we need to provide and where was our gap in the market because there's so many fantastic initiatives going on right now um, and it can be quite a busy place to get, get your foothold into. But after us going off and speaking to these people and getting our volunteers on board, um, our volunteers have been wonderful, Lana, obviously you were one as well and you massively helped us off at the start, so I can't thank you enough. But you guys have gone out and networked for us and came back and we've had so many wonderful initiatives. So we, we've, we've grown and evolved from what we initially thought we were going to be, which was just looking after vulnerable groups. Now we're speaking to corporates, now we're speaking to Education Scotland and we're looking at specific partnerships. Um, we've got a fantastic lady called Wendy Goucher who does uh, Netty in Cyberland. Um, she writes some absolutely wonderful children's novels at the moment. We've gone off and got mascots and so forth made by Scottish primary school children. And we're, we're, we're pushing that that envelope out just now about who it is we're looking after. That's amazing. Um, yeah, like I've not really seen any other charities or like organisations doing what you do just now. Like this is just like a really amazing um, idea. And that's like also one of the reasons why when I came across like this is amazing, I'm going to go for it. 
thank you um, and, th and thank you for helping us get it set up because we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten sorted out the way we were if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for the people like you as well so um we've got a great grip on at the moment and we're we're starting to go um and walking we just worked with alternatives in western bartonshire which is a drug rehabilitation community to deal with homeless and um, addiction they're mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic um and fast forward a lady called ali from fast forward that deals with um risky behavior in young people so the doors that are getting open up and the people that we're speaking to it's, it's just it's, it's inspiring to see all the different organizations that are out there and we're just looking to kind of bring them all together and facilitate a change with it um going forward so yeah i'm, I'm hoping we may we continue to make a positive impact and as we always say from day one if we only change a few lights that's enough for us we're not here to make money we're here to make a, a positive impact on people's lives yeah definitely and i believe that you have made an impact um so really good um and in terms of like setting up a charity like how like for someone that doesn't know how how was the details of it if it's possible to share that information and I, like I'm, how I'm, can I'm i go about it, it? <laughs> <laughs> i'm I'm still figuring it out no i'm not uh, well yeah, I am. I'm, I'm learning as we go um go slow don't try and take over the world straight away make sure you've got a really strong board in place um, know what your charitable purpose is uh, and know the different ways in which you can set up an organization we were extremely lucky a gent called um, our chairperson uh, Steve Callahan he's fantastic within the industry he's worked in consultancy for many a year he will not like it if i say how long he's been working in this um, in consultancy within charitable organizations for we were extremely lucky that we got steve i've known him since i think 2008 and one of my my first jobs um i remember being on the phone to him and meeting for coffee and just thinking right I, I want to do this but i don't know how and steve was like go find me the people find me the board members tell me what your charitable purpose is tell me what we're doing and I'll, I will go and help out set that up for us. So we were really lucky to have a Steve. So I would say have a Steve um, for everybody. There's so many different courses available as well. Um, Scottish business and things like that. They set up little training days to tell you how, how to set up charities as such. Make sure you've got a robust strategy and business plan. And make sure you can deliver that business plan. Um, make sure you've got the people there that can actually do it and have got the experience and knowledge for it and don't try and take over the world straight away build yourself up slowly and um, we had a thing because we 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 were um, founded in i think it was july 2021 um we spent our first year basically figuring out what our remit was going out and speaking to um organizations um industry experts the government and saying where is our gap in the market what can we help with what we'd initially started with we then got steered towards our vulnerable groups which has been absolutely fantastic we've then started we've got a good solid baseline of what, what was we needed so i think last march march 2022 we had a great volunteer coordinator on board um igram and igram assisted on getting getting our volunteer um, documentation, insurance, our PVGs, everything sorted out for us on that end. Uh, we worked on our policies and our strategy going forward, and we only actually started taking on our first cohort of volunteers. I think it was late September in 2022. So our, our first round of volunteers didn't actually come on board and probably start working until October 2022. 
So what is that? If we're looking at the last nine months of having volunteers, we're actually moving forward. We've got a fantastic volunteer, Lena, right now, who's working on our brand guidelines. And oh, I thought we did a good job at the start. Alina's knocked the ball out of the park. They're looking absolutely fantastic. We're triple A. Um, she's working on our new website at the moment as well. So I'm really looking forward to launching the new uh, the new brands and the new website in due course. We've got a fantastic youth engagement team led up by um, Ewan Taylor as well. He's another volunteer, him and Rudolph at the moment, and Brian, which are a great team. They're working on so many little initiatives at the moment. And then we've got An Andrew and our training team as well. They do their training on Wednesday with alternatives. We've got Alison, who just came on board, and Irene and Shona, who are turning an absolute dream team for me. They're helping sort me out as an individual, because obviously I'm a new CEO, CEO, so I'm making mistakes, and I need to, I need to be told that I'm making a mistake. They're helping us figure out our strategy, um, and Shona's managing, I think, about 30 volunteers at the moment for me. So it's it's working through and having having that team together. Emily, who is our um, lead on our resource team at the moment, uh, we've touched base with her the other week. She's currently doing her OU studies at the moment, and she's like, can I take two weeks off? I'm like, yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. And she handed over what she's been doing. So much work. Um, they're all so dedicated, and they're they're knocking the ball out of the park. And I can't wait to see where we are in five years' time. And we wouldn't be anywhere we are if it wasn't for them. So make sure you've got a good team under you. Make sure you take your time um, and make sure you set up slowly and you build the right foundations because it won't work if you've got cracks in the foundations. Our board is absolutely fantastic at the moment and we're now at the time where we can actually utilise um, properly. We had a gent called Mark Gallagher um, from Cyber Scotland, Police Scotland, um, who was fantastic and he obviously had to sit down because he's retiring but he's managed to get Mary on board from his organisation as well. So good board. Good team underneath you. Learn your, know you're going to make mistakes. Learn from your mistakes and admit your mistakes. And make sure you go slowly and you scope everything out. And don't shut all your doors. At the start, we were going just for our vulnerable groups. As we've developed, we've now gone back into the schools. We're going back into speaking to the parents. We thought that was a closed door to us when we were going out and scoping it out in the first year. But because we didn't shut that door fully, that's now turning in a new um, a new operational working stream for us. And it's fantastic because that's the bit I absolutely adore. Yeah, fabulous. Um, would you say, I don't know if you've or, you know, you know, experience or you've got experience in like setting up a company, would you say setting up a charity similar to setting up a company? Yes and no. Um, but I feel there's a lot more loopholes and um, legalities that I need to abide to now. <laughs> we have to do it in both both remits. Um, I, I would say I would say there's there's definitely similarities to it. You do have to run it with it. But the beauty of the charity is we're trying to be sustainable um, and we're trying to have longevity. So for us, it's being able to sure we have money in the bank and staying being able to move forward with the next projects and things like that we can go off and get a lot of funding streams as such for a business you're constantly trying to make sure there's money in the bank and you're trying to look at your profits and so forth and invest in them going forward but I, I, I'm enjoying the charity aspect at the moment um, I'm enjoying looking at all the funding opportunities that are coming out and going back and I'm brainstorming with our guys and saying right what what can we do at the moment what works with this does anything we do tie in with this this new initiative that the um, the government's pulled off for funding, what, what can we do and look at it from, from that perspective? So I would say there's definitely similarities, um, but I'm, I'm enjoying the charity more than I was going to enjoy business. And I never thought I'd say that. I definitely am more enjoying charity work. Yeah, 
that's good. And how do you, is it easy getting like volunteers? Or like, how do you get it? Uh, linked social media channels, uh, Reach Volunteering, Project Scotland, um, Do It. There's a lot of things we're, we were doing at the start. Um, but yeah, I think it's just getting our voice out there as much as we can on the digital landscape. But what we've also found really good is actually our volunteers have gone off and recruited as well, especially our volunteers that are in university and so forth. Um, but it's, it's getting on the website, it's getting on social media and constantly shouting out about what we're doing. We've got a lot of roles up at the moment and we've got a lot of great teams coming on. So and a really diverse and inclusive um, teams, which I'm absolutely loving. And we're at the point now where we've got some fantastic experienced volunteers. So we're now working on getting some more inexperienced ones and trying to set up mentor roles for them so that they can actually get something really, really tangible and valuable from their placements with us. For our project leads, we come up with a number of projects and they can decide what they want to work on. So they have their career stamp and they know that they've contributed largely to, to a project that they're actually really vested in and interested in. And then what we do is we like to try and make sure that any of the new volunteers, they can, they can slide into one of those projects and they can get mentored up so that ultimately we want them to be leading a project at some point or we want them to have massive transferable skills that they can use on their CV and when they go in to get, um, get into jobs. But we say to all our volunteers, go to the conferences, get signed up to all the conferences you can, go out and network and start finding up because for us, we need them, we, we need them, but we also want them to get something from the charity too and if that's paid employment somewhere else, but we want to make sure they've got the skills from it, the knowledge and they've picked up, um, they've picked up and done something they're proud of so that when they go for interviews, they can actually say, I've been part of this, I have delivered this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's really good to, you know, volunteering because it gives you a different perspective. Like you're not working for the money, you're just working for the joy of it and like gaining the benefit of it and learning new yeah. skills as well. Um, I, I volunteered, I did my free internship at the college while I was doing my university um, and it helped me obviously get my job at the college because they'd seen what I was doing. Um, I, I'm, I'm very much an advocate for volunteering. I think you get so much out of it that you didn't expect to get out of it. Um, and it's as you say, you're not there for the paycheck, you're there because you're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really I really think it's a valuable thing to have on your CV. Yeah, exactly. Um, and from the process of like setting up a charity and like interacting with all these amazing people, like what have you learned from it? Um, I've learned I waffle. Not gonna lie, um, you'll probably see that when you go back to this. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I've learned there's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of expertise out there, and there's a lot of people willing to help and make a difference. And a lot of the time, it's just going out and speaking to people and saying, "Oh, we've got this initiative, and we're doing this." And you see the light bulbs going on, and they start brainstorming for you, and they start opening doors for you as well. Um, the cybersecurity world. I adore it. It's so it's it's small. We're still in the infancy to a certain extent. Like there's lots of people out there. There's lots of remits out there and stuff like that. But I can't wait to see how big we are in a, in a few more um, three more years as such. But everyone looks after it. We're all proud of it. Um, we all safeguard it as well, and we safeguard this this remit, and we all want to see everyone succeed. Um, the places that I've gone and spoken to, um, I've I've never found anyone shutting doors. I've always found people opening doors and helping out and seeing, seeing what, what they can do 
um, and I absolutely love it. And it's the same thing we say to the students, and I think they even came back from the um, from the data conference in Napier. Absolutely, I thought one of the words they said buzzing was what one of my students were just buzzing from it, absolutely buzzing from it. And I was like, how? And they just went, everyone's so nice. They didn't care that I was a student. They didn't care that I didn't have experience. They didn't care about this, but they spoke to me. And it's like, well, what did you expect everyone to be like? Uh, but it, it's it's really nice. I, I, do, I do genuinely think it's a really good good re, um, industry to work in. Um, I think there's a lot of lot of possibilities out there. Um, it's just going out and having the the guts to ask and the guts to say, I don't know what that means. Can you help me out? Or I'm looking for a job. This is what I'm interested in, and just keep on keep on trying to succeed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like whatever you do, like there's always a learning process to it, and like you learn something from it, indeed. So in terms of like your career choice, do you think that has impacted your personal life in any sort of way, in a good or a bad way? Both. <laughs> um, oh, um, yeah, my family's obviously had to take a bit of a back seat to certain things. I've not, I've not been able to have that work-life balance that I've wanted for the last couple of years, obviously starting up a charity. I was working full-time for the college at that time as well. I've just, just dropped a day and a half, just, um, just, April uh, so it's, it's been a massive massive impact to the family as such I'm still volunteering for the charity so it's basically working two full-time jobs at one point um, I've got a fantastic support unit though my partner's absolutely fantastic in making sure the little ones sorted out and making sure that when I hit that time on Friday I switch off and it is just about my child and it's only about my child so it was finishing off one job coming home making sure dinner's done um, homework's done bath, bed, all that sorted out, sweating that switched off, then switching on the computer and doing all the meetings amongst sitting there doing homework while on a meeting. So it definitely has impacted stuff, but at the same time, I think it's really important to push that message to my daughter because she obviously knows, she knows I've got autism and so forth, that I didn't give up and I tried. And it's something that I really think is really important to instill in our younger generation is you need to keep on pushing yourself and achieving for things and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. She, I used to hate speaking in public. It was the worst thing in the world for me, whereas now I sit there and I lecture each day. Um, to numerous students, the idea of going in and actually speaking to 20 people, I got overloaded. I'd always start scratching my arms because it just that was my tick when I didn't when I wasn't comfortable with stuff. Whereas now I've done it, but I just subtly tap the sides, um, which I didn't do before. Um, but at the same time, going into college and university and stuff, it's massively widened my net for friends. Um, we always call ourselves we've got a uni family, um, which is absolutely fantastic. We're all brilliantly awful to each other as we all like to say with each other but we we are jumping up and down for joy when we see each other succeeding so i have to now carve out time a little bit better and organize my life a little bit better and i do my friends will all say that i go um, incognito for a week and won't answer my phone to any name for a week because i'll be too busy with work and vice versa so there is there's a lot of juggling to do there's and i'm going to get it wrong and i'm going to get it right um, but I just need to keep learning. I need to have enough people around me, even my daughter, because there's been times where I say to her, if I'm working too much, you need to let me know. So she keeps me in check as well as my friends and family. And there's been nights where I've been on the, the computer at silly o'clock at night trying to finish off a meeting. And even my partner's just came over and he's just closed that laptop lid for me and gone, no, go to bed. So I think it's just making sure that you've got people around you that 
help you succeed and let you challenge yourself, but at the same time, know when it's time to stop and take a break from it. I, I wouldn't change it. Now, now that I know where we are and what we're doing and how things are moving forward, um, I wouldn't change it. But I will say, if you are starting an organisation or charities so forth, your first three, three years are a lot, a lot of work. Um, it is worth it, though, keep at it. Um, but just make sure that you are prioritising home life um, and learning how to juggle that um, in a very effective way where it doesn't have a negative impact on everything. Um, there will obviously be times where partners will be like, you've not been in the house, you've not done this. There'll be times where businesses are like, but you've not, you've not committed enough time to this. Um, but you need to be able to stick up for yourself and say, I'm a human being, I can't do absolutely everything. So no, that will have to wait till next week. Nothing horrific is going to happen. You just need to get that voice. Yeah, definitely. I think it really does help when you've got like a good support system around you as well to help you. Like to sometimes when you're too deep, you can't get yourself out. So the support system does do that for you. Yeah, um, it's, it can be. You you juggle a lot of plates as well, though. Do you not? You're always doing stuff. Every time I go to a conference, I see your name floating around. I still... <laughs> You're always like doing stuff. How do you juggle everything? I try. And then uh, there'll be like periods where I go down and like try to keep it, you know, less busy. But then I end up picking back up more things. So this is yeah. apparently, apparently just now supposed to be my downtime. But then I'm starting this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I think yeah. once you when, when you're like used to having too much on your plate you it's a bit harder to like not do anything when you've got like free time you feel a bit something's weird I hate not having something to do um, <laughs> um yeah I always think that's that's when the intrusive thoughts come in I need to keep myself busy um, I, I, yeah, I, I feel I feel guilty when I'm sitting down doing nothing because I think there's lots of stuff that needs to be done. So I, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah, and I think sometimes also when you're so busy, you don't think about your, you know, everything in the environment that's happening around you. But then when you've got downtime, you feel like you need to start competing again with people yep. around you or like the the you know the things that you see on social media and you're like why am I not doing anything right now so you start picking up something else and that keeps you busy yeah. again yeah yeah I, I, I fully fully um, empathize and understand <laughs> that trail of thought <laughs> yeah and in terms of like you mentioned like um, work-life balance what would you say if there was like a three practical tips or things that you tried that worked for you Stick with the routine. So obviously I've got the two jobs um, at the moment, which um, and then I've got the little one, um, and I'm, I'm extremely blessed to have a big family as well. Um, out, out with my, my partner, my child, um, and, and friends. So I, I like a routine. I like to know I'm in this job from this time to this time. I come home, my daughter knows that I'll be there for dinner. Um, I'll sort dinner out with her, I'll do her homework and stuff so forth, I'll get her um, washed and ready for bed, I'll put her to bed. I might slot in a meeting, but if, as for right now, if I'm doing anything for the charity, I'll finish work, I'll do it at half eight till half past four with college, come home, I might have a meeting till from about half, like quarter to five till about half five, then she'll get her hour for dinner, homework and stuff, and then I'll pick up meetings probably about half past seven and I'll be on till about ten o'clock at night. And then 
by about 11 o'clock, because I usually try to sneak an extra hour in of work, my partner's up and closing the laptop down for me. So I get an hour worth of downtime before my sleep for 12 o'clock. Um, and we do that from Monday to Friday, Thursday. Thursday night, I'm until about half 11 on calls. Um, on Thursday night, when it comes to the Friday, obviously, I will finish up this call. That will be me downtime and it's my daughter's time. She gets a hold of Friday afternoon, no matter what, with me. Or she's off to Granny's because she's at the, the age where I'm not cool anymore. So Granny's always a good bet. It's really horrible. Uh, so I, I cherish the times when they're young and you're cool and they want to spend time with you. So, yeah, she gets a Friday afternoon for it. If she does go to her granny's, that then, then slots in the friends that I've missed. And then she gets the weekends. But at the weekends, I'll do what I can and I'll touch base, but it's whatever I can do on a mobile. So as long as I can respond on my mobile, that's all that's happening. But I will not be picking up a laptop and open it unless something that's going to affect life or death, um, my laptop will not get opened. Um, I will open a laptop, but it'll be after Sunday dinner. Um, I'll open up the laptop and I'll start start scheduling stuff in so that I know what I've got in the week ahead. So keep keep a keep a routine and stick at it and make sure that if you do have children, when it's summer holidays and Easter holidays, take the time off and spend it with them. And make sure you actually take the time off and spend it with them. Don't just do that, I'll be two minutes, I'll be two minutes. Um I I've started playing computer games that I absolutely hate. Um, just to spend time with my daughter um, and now the problem is is it Roblox? She's got me on Minecraft and Roblox at the moment. I'm awful at it but now my niece has joined in and my sister-in-law's joined in and then all my daughter's friends have joined in so we always end up sitting having a wee play around and it's the times like that that you're going to cherish later on and the times where you're sitting with your friends and you're switching off and you're just having a, a good old good old gap about everything that's been going on with the week so Prioritise stuff and decompartmentalise. Once you switch that computer off, go see friends, go spend time with family and do not talk about business at all. Just make sure you're talking about all the good things that everyone's doing and shouting out about everything, how everyone else is succeeding and just enjoy enjoy how everyone's life's going. Yeah, definitely. That's like really good advice. I also try to follow to a routine as well. Because um, sometimes yeah. when you're not following a routine, you end up being all over the place and you don't know what you're doing and you're doing everything at the same time as well it's horrible and I always find you do bitty things you do lots of little bits which you've done loads but you actually you haven't finished off one major project so then you yeah. just sit there at the end of the week when I've not done anything but you know you've done loads but there's just <laughs> nothing tangible there to see it drives me bonkers yeah. <laughs> exactly um the other thing you mentioned playing video games um there's a big uh, sort of statement or like idea around like people in tech always being a video gamer or like a gamer and that's not the case whoever talks whoever talks to me like i don't play games but i don't mind playing it it's the stereotype it's like when you say you're a coder and you think you've got a black hoodie on and you sit there with your black hoodie in front of the computer all the time i remember the first time going in and seeing i think it was um there were some of the speakers and things and we were like, oh it's a female on stage I'm sitting there with like a whole row of guys going, yes, it's a female. They can, they, they're in the industry. They can speak, um, and all, but you could just see them all like flabbergasted and amazed um, by by this by this woman in industry coming up and speaking to them. Um, I, I say that to the girls as well when the when the people come up for the college, mm -hmm. and I'm like, because they, they ask me, they're like, oh, you're in the computer, you're in code, and I'm like, oh, I, I can do Python, I can do coding if I have to. I don't like to do it though. Yeah. And they just go, oh, 
Oh right, okay. I'm like, give me like forensics or ethical hacking. I am there. I will play around quite happily with my rubber duckies and my flipper zeros and my bash buddies and lantern. All of that I will play happily all day with it. But if you sit there and tell me that I have to start going into complex codes and I'll, I just get really bored with it. I love cryptography. I love algorithms and so forth and things like that. But I think within cyber as well, there's so many different jobs to go for. We can't all fit one stereotype for it. Um, and I think that's the job that we need to play with going forward as well with the next generation, especially with, with, with females out there as well, is we don't fit a stereotype. We don't all game. We don't sit there in hoodies. We don't sit there with the windows and the curtains closed every single day. Um, there's lots of different types of people out there. We have lives. We have friendship groups. Um, and yeah. we know how to have fun as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I do get that even like once in a while, like even if it's like people outside that you meet, um, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a technical consultant. And they give you that ideal. I thought that might be different. You get this look and I'm like, mm, you get different people in that industry. Always the double look. I always love the double take people do. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> 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 cool. And in terms of like uh, maintaining a good health, how have you managed to maintain a good health while you've got so much happening as well? Um, um, I've, well, I've got CFS and I've got um, autism, so um, health is a touchy one for me. If I get overly stressed, um, my my muscles and things start to hurt. I get really fatigued and things like that. So. It's the same thing. It's it's the same thing. The work life balance. It's making sure you've got the right support unit around you. It's um I'm so lucky at the college um with the with the group I've got like I've got Emma and I've got Ross and Davy um Sandra and Scott and stuff. They look after me. They can tell when I've got my my little ticks have started because I'm getting stressed and I don't want to admit that I'm getting stressed because I've worked myself too much. Um and they'll do the can you go sit down for five minutes and sit down and just let me just unwind and bring myself back and zone in. Uh, my management are really, really supportive there as well, um, as well as the, the, the team for the charity as well with it. So I think the, the maintaining good health, take your breaks, drink your water, make sure you're eating healthy food, make sure you're laughing and giggling and talking and smiling as much as possible, but also understand that there's going to be, there's going to be down days. Everyone has the down days for stuff. Um, but just make sure you don't let the don't let the clouds come in for too long, um, and start start looking at everything that you're achieving and be proud of yourself no matter what you do. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're excelling in career, um, but you're not excelling. Um, so you're not excelling in career, but you're excelling in personal life. You might be a mother, a single mother. You might be a stay-at-home wife or a stay-at-home husband. Look at what you're doing. You're on call twenty-four-seven. You are raising children. You are doing a brilliant job so I always say to everyone just make sure you're taking your breaks um, and you're looking after your body and you you know what you want to do during your downtime whether it's yoga spending time with the family um, going for a swim or just going for a walk or just sitting in a quiet room and watch binge watching your favorite program make sure you're spending that time and you're carving that time out for you as well just so you can you can re-energize re and join the day back again yeah, definitely. I think it does help, like, try to try different things that works for you, essentially, because um, we're not all the same. And 
maybe different needs and you know different approach and method will apply but like knowing how you deal with it is interesting as well what do you do to re-energize and stuff with them and have you got have you, have you got your downtime thing that you that you that you do yeah so I basically like try to go out in nature like just you know there's so many beautiful places around like Glasgow um, yeah. So like I do photography as well. I like it for just just personal stuff. I don't really share too much, but like it's nice to go out and enjoy. I d yeah, I d it's just going out for a walk. One of my friends always says you should spend fifteen minutes a day with your shoes off and your feet just on the grass. Yeah, that, that, that's that, nice. That's her thing, and I, I love it. But I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's her thing. It's, it's just finding out what, what you enjoy, making sure you're actually carving time out to do it yeah exactly yeah yeah um cool um so in terms of like what's next in your journey oh um what is next in the journey the, the, just doing doing what i'm doing um keeping up skilling keep challenging myself um embracing the fact that i can be extremely awkward sometimes without even realizing i've been awkward and i waffle lots um and not changing me for little bits for the positive but i think for me it'll be working on citizens of cyber actually watching that expand and watching that grow and making sure that everyone that's been a part of it knows that they've made that impact um it's been, it's been such a massive team effort for it um and just just shouting out about everything that everyone's doing it'll also be watching my cohort and my hnds which has been one of my favorite classes to teach since i started teaching have just gone on to university so keeping an eye on them and finding out where they go in industry um, so I can shout at the rooftops um, and they can all remember me when they're making their millions. But I think it is just continuing trying to educate the next generation, continuing going out on the cyber van, which is the Wesleyan College initiative, and trying to inspire the next generation, working with the charity to make sure we're making a positive impact on anyone that's anything negative has happened to them or at least giving them the right tools that they can stay safe. And continue and trying to invest time in family and making sure that um making sure that everyone's happy and healthy yeah exactly that's really good and how should our listeners support you in your journey and in terms of how to like support you in your charity as well follow citizen cyber on social media we've got our linkedin we've got our facebook and we've got our twitter and um, sign up to some of our parents nights events we've got our advisory group that we're trying to set up right now for industry experts to come on and help us. We have got lots of initiatives going on with our high skills and our primary skills. So just basically get in touch with us. If you have got spare time and look to volunteer, check out the website. We've got lots of volunteer roles on there. If you see a role that doesn't necessarily fit you, but you definitely think you can make an impact, get on the contact us link and send us a message and tell us what you can do for us and we will we will get in touch with you and try and um, develop that further. But yeah, just keep spreading the positive word to citizens of cyber and keep going out. And if you are in the cyber industry world, every time you meet someone that's not in it, give them some little um, little nuggets of information about how they can stay safe online or make sure that they know that there's definitely people out there that are there to speak to them and support them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... You know, there you do offer like remote positions as well to volunteer. So like for anyone that's you know that's far away, they can volunteer as well. All, all our positions are remote. 
um, which is really, really good. Um, our positions as well, we have some people that are working a couple hours a week, some people that are working part-time, so they're working full-time, some people are just project-based. So there's lots of different elements that we've got there. We've got a number of initiatives coming up that are getting worked on at the moment. We've also got a number of people that have got in touch with us about new projects that we don't have people on that can run that at the moment. So if you have any knowledge and experience, please get in touch. We will send you over and tell you what different types we've got going on and you can tell us what, what you'd like to be involved in. That would be greatly appreciated. Brilliant. It, really good. Um, and in case like anyone outside of UK does take an interest in volunteering, is that like possible? Yeah, still get in touch. Uh, <laughs> we have a couple of people that are um, external to the UK that we're still speaking to and so forth. Um, so yeah. Any, any knowledge that we've got going at the moment, just get in touch. And um, our lovely Shona Clark will be in touch with you, um, who is absolutely selling and being a volunteer coordinator right now. Um, and it's keeping me on my toes with the amount of work that she can do in a very short amount of time. So yeah, please get in touch. We've got our inquiries at citizencyber.org.uk. We've got our website and we've got our social media channels too. So just get in touch with us. Um, Shona will be back, um, back to reply for you and we can see what we can get sorted out. Brilliant. Um, cool. And in terms of um, the last few questions that I ha have uh, for you, basically, um, how much of your success would you say it attributes to to luck, and how much it is attributes to like hard work to be like where you are right now? I'm going to say twenty to eighty percent, twenty percent luck and eighty percent hard work. A lot of hard work. Um, <laughs> um, for us, I think, for me personally, um, it's been going off and volunteering when I was at um, college and university. I was still doing consultancy work. I was volunteering as an intern. Um, I still had the family life as well going on, and I was still doing my education. So a lot of hard work, work went into that. Um, it's getting to know people as well and getting the right support there in place um, with where you are. But at the same time, there has been luck along the way. I can never sit there and say that luck has never been um, never been an element to it. So I'd probably say 20 to 80%. Some of it has been in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, but if you've worked hard, it means that when that opportunity comes up at the right time, you are definitely at the right place. Um, so it, it, it's good for that. I think even when working for the internship at the college, I decided to take a wee um, break on going back for my fourth year. I was still continuing to intern. And because I was still continuing to intern and do my consultancy, a job had came up which wasn't meant to. And I naturally, um, naturally went for that and was lucky enough to get that job at the college. And one of my first classes was a neurodiverse class, which ended up getting me into the um, finals for one of the cyber awards, uh, Scottish cyber awards, which I was absolutely astonished at. I did not expect to be sitting at a table um, as a nominee um, in one of those awards. So yeah, there's there's definitely luck there, but make sure, make sure you continue to push yourself as you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you for that. What's one takeaway that you want our listeners to get from this um, episode? Um, there's always support out there, whether it's a negative interaction online, whether it's wanting to upskill into cybersecurity, whether it's not having knowledge of something, ask Google, it's your friend. Um, go out, speak to people, get searching online. You're never too young and never too old to learn a new trick and to upskill with stuff. So I think it's a case of 
always challenge yourself and keep on moving forward. And if you fail, who cares? Figure out what went wrong, figure out your lesson learned, pick up a new challenge and keep on moving forward. You're never going to succeed on anything if you don't fail at something at some point. Um, we all can't be perfect to everything. We all can't juggle everything. So ask for help, learn from your mistakes and make sure you've got a good support unit around you that will tell you when you're doing something wrong so that you can fix it um, and move on from it um, and, and own it as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, we did mention that um, the, our listeners can get in touch in terms of the social uh, media links. Um, but if they were to reach out to you, um, is there like any specific channels that you would like people to reach out to you for specific um, questions? I'm on LinkedIn, Christy Netford on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me. I've got the tag on for co-founder for Citizen Cyber and college lecturer at West Lothian College. So LinkedIn, always available on there. I've got the CEO at citizenscyber.org.uk. Feel free to send me an email if you want an email um, or just pop onto one of the websites, um, our Citizen Cyber website, sorry, and just put a contact form through there. I've been or shown up, we'll pick that up um, and I'll be, I will be in touch. And I'll hopefully, if anyone sees me at any of the networking events or anything going forward, pop over and say hi, don't be, don't be a stranger. Um, and I can't wait to hear what, what, what you're doing and where you are and where you want to be. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Um, any final words before we close up? Just thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope your editing skills are very, very good, Lana. Um, but it was lovely to see you again. And please, 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 if you've ever got spare time, get back on board because we do miss you. Um, and we can't thank do. you enough for everything that you did for us. Thank you so much for being here today and like for sharing your story and I am sure 100 percent that your story will inspire like so many different people and your knowledge and your wisdom you shared is just like, you know, priceless. I would say thank you for sharing that with us and being so open with us. I look oh, forward to so having much. you back on the show as well in the future. Anytime, just let me know where you need me, what you need me for. I'll always be around. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. And if we can all do one thing, then be it to inspire one another and make the world a better place than we found it, no matter where we are. Remember to be you, inspire and enjoy the journey towards a happier and fulfilling and successful life. And I will continue my mission to inspire you with one episode at a time. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the notification bell so you don't miss the next episode. You can also follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify and Google. Last but most importantly, please leave a comment, rate and review to let me know what you learned from this episode and what would you like me to cover in the future episodes. I'm Lana and thank you for listening.